Games rated E to M. Welcome to Nintendo Power Podcast. This episode, we look at five features for longtime Pokemon fans in Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. My name is Chris Slate. Joining me today are Teresa Apollinario from Nintendo Treehouse. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. And Zach Drapala from Switch Force and Ghost Robo on YouTube. Hi, Zach. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Great. Um, thanks, both of you, uh, for coming on the show today. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, and we'll get to the usual segments like Pros Picks and Warp Zone Quiz and Player's Pulse uh, and Game Forecast later. But this time, we're going to do something a little bit different, and we're going to start with our feature segment right up front. And we're going to be talking about five features in Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee that longtime Pokemon fans uh, should be very interested to hear about. Um, now, at this point, I think everyone knows that these games contain uh, elements that are familiar to fans of both core Pokemon RPGs and also Pokemon Go, and that these games will be a great jumping on point for more casual Pokemon fans uh, like myself. Um, who are looking to get further into the series, and, and also I'm looking uh, personally looking forward to playing uh, with my son now that these games can be played with two players. Um, but there's a lot of these games uh, directed at longtime Pokemon fans, and uh, today that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, we're going to be talking about five features specifically that those fans will want to know about. And uh, to start things off, just number one, this is a Pokemon adventure on a home console. And Teresa, this is something that fans have been wanting for a long time. That's right. Well, this is definitely the first Pokemon RPG that's on Nintendo Switch. And as a lot of people know, the Nintendo Switch is a pretty versatile console that you can have at home, but also take on the go. So this is definitely a really fun experience for all Pokemon players involved. Yeah, I mean, traditionally, um, most of the, obviously, all of the Pokemon core RPGs have been on handheld systems. So this is the first time you'll be able to have that experience at home or on the go. And Zach, is that something you're looking forward to? Are you thinking more you're going to be playing this at home or more as a handheld experience? Yeah, I know a lot of people are planning to play it portably, but I'm really looking forward to just sitting on my couch and enjoying a, a full-on Pokemon game. Like, that's a, a super cool uh, thing that hasn't really been possible before. I remember um, I'm kind of like the perfect age for Pokemon. Um, I was seven, eight, nine when the first games came out, red and blue and, and then yellow. Um, and I kept my my teal Game Boy Color in a little tin to keep Pokemon always locked in safe and make sure it didn't get taken. Um, but now I love that I can take it wherever I want as well as play it, you know, on my own TV. Yeah, back in the old, old days, you had to, uh, you know, on your Game Boy, you had to like get under a lamp or play right. it in a bright light. <laughs> and you really had to, in some ways, compared to what we've got today, work to really enjoy those games. But now there you are on a giant flat screen television. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really funny because um, my origin story too with Pokemon was Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow versions, and I explicitly remember having my Ice Blue uh, Game Boy Pocket and the attachment to make the screen a lot brighter <laughs> in order for yeah. me to play right at night when my parents thought that I was sleeping and put the covers over and then just keep on playing into the night. So. Um, and now that this adventure is on the Nintendo Switch and it's just brought to life and it's it's very different. Kanto is alive and it's beautiful and all of the characters have their own stories and interactable. So it's really cool. It's just a lot of fun to, to experience. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned Kanto because item number two on our list is, is the nostalgia for longtime fans returning to the world of the original Pokemon games. And, and there's a lot more there, I think, that uh, will pull at the heartstrings of longtime Pokemon fans. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yes, that's right. Uh, we're, we're in the Kanto region. So for core fans, that will be a very familiar territory that they'll be coming back to experience. Um, but for the newcomers, um, especially Pokemon Go players that don't really know that there's a narrative to the Pokemon franchise, this is a great entry point for them into the, the series. And um, it's just it's it's gorgeous world and you don't need to know all 800 plus pokemon that are currently out there um it starts where this franchise began and then also the characters that are in kanto there's these iconic um characters like brock and misty um that you'll be able to meet and even battle because they're gym leaders within kanto 
and you'll get to see the Pokemon that they they choose in order to uh, challenge you. And the it's just really interesting too to see them alive and in their colorful form, and it feels very anime-esque and cartoon because their representations in full color form were in the cartoon at first, and now to actually see it in a video game and it's it's really neat to see it in this in the Pokemon Let's Go games. Yeah, I think it's the most perfect realization of the Pokemon world that has ever existed. You know, talking about comparing back to the, the good old days and, and to now, like it's crazy to see how different the encounter with Brock or you know meeting Misty looks versus the original games, and um, that to me is the most instantly appealing thing about the Let's Go games is that it really is like that living that fantasy of you're here and you can play with a friend and the Pokemon follow you and it, it just fully immerses you in that awesome world. Yeah. And just kind of like going back to the cartoon of like how Brock would always kind of like poise and have his arms crossed over Misty with her very like cute shorts and, and tank top and her like little demeanor like that stuff is in this game and it's just really neat to see those nods and Easter eggs mm-hmm. kind of just cross over the entire franchise. Yeah, it's almost like you're getting to uh, like almost go inside the old games, right? Like maybe if, if the old games had been brought more to life, if they could have gone beyond the technology of the time, this is what in your imagination this world might have looked like. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I think there are some other elements that longtime fans can look forward to kind of re-experiencing in this game as well. Maybe there's some, you know, music tie-ins, anything there yeah. you can talk about? Yeah, for sure. So um, Mr. Masuda, he had made other interviews um on how um, the music is still very true to the original um, Game Boy Classic games, um, but they've been reimagined for the Nintendo Switch version. So, like as I mentioned, there's a lot of Easter eggs hidden within that core fans will appreciate, and music is one of them because you'll you'll start hearing these little iconic tunes as you travel across Kanto, be it that you're in just a regular road from Pallet Town to um, all the way to Peter City, or if you're going through um, Future City, you'll you'll hear all these really cool jingles that you might have recognized when you were younger. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited just to go through and and see. Okay, here's the things that really like hit that nostalgia and are, are very similar, and then maybe some of the things that are slightly different as you progress through the different towns. Yeah, because like even though I'm talking about all these nods to the past, there's still a lot of things that are new. And so there's definitely new experiences that it, it just, it's not the same adventure that you, you right. lived back in the day. Right. I'm really looking forward to Team Rocket, which I've seen in some <laughs> of the videos that have come out. And, yes. And, and I, I wasn't, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't fully aware. Again, um, Pokemon is something that I, I, um, I wasn't a big uh, fan or fully aware of it right when it started. You know, I started getting into some of the later games. And actually, some of my first experiences were games like Pokemon Snap on Nintendo 64. And, you know, things like that were kind of, uh, you know, some of the more of the, 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 the side games, I guess. But, um, but I was surprised when I watched the original reveal trailer for these games, um, just how much nostalgia I did feel for it. I mean, I think if you're if you're certainly if you're a Pokemon fan, but even if you're a Nintendo fan, even if you're just used to um, seeing some of those original Pokemon and, and you know games like Super Smash Brothers and things like that, I think you don't. At least for me, I didn't fully realize what kind of impact it would have on me. This this sense of going back to the beginning and getting to re-experience it all over again. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's really the characters and their stories that really get me like let me sink into a game, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, like you had mentioned, Team Rocket, Jesse James, and even having their their counterpart Meowth in their little collective form and sh- like showing them in the games and seeing them in like cutscenes and in the gameplay, it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, my girlfriend isn't like a, a Pokemon expert or anything, but I'm super excited to be able to like bring her along for the ride and like be like, this happened to me when I was this age and I remember this encounter and getting this Pokemon and beating this guy and trading this with my brother and it'll be really cool to share that together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like I said with my son, I thought uh, he's, he's he just in the last couple of years has become a gamer and uh, and gotten old enough to where he can really kind of get good at the games and um, I thought for sure Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon would be his jumping on point to Pokemon, but he was still a little bit young for that 
So now I'm like, okay, this is perfect. He's, he's already excited about uh, the Pokemon Let's Go games. And um, so he's already Team Eevee. I'm going to be Team Pikachu. We're each going to get our own copies and just have a lot of fun. I'm, I'm Team Eevee, so I'm fully support. I'm oh, okay. Team Pikachu, so we got a, oh, we got a real wow. good balance here. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> we too. got some good balance. Yeah, if I bring my son into the mix, we're all balanced out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so number three on my list are newly discovered Pokemon. And uh, there was one in particular that caused quite a stir recently. That's right. It was um, Meltan, the very, or the newly discovered mythical Pokemon in Kanto. And this is, uh, I believe, a Pokemon that has appeared now in Pokemon Go already and will also be appearing in the Let's Go games. Yeah, so Pokemon Go did a very interesting thing with Meltan where um, you just... Uh, appeared all of a sudden in the environment, and when players went to go tap him and catch him, it was it turned into a ditto, and this confused a lot of fans. Like, I mean, especially because I'm not quite sure what was happening. And uh, eventually, it came out that this was a new Pokemon, and Meltan would be associated to the Pokemon Let's Go games. Uh, then uh, eventually, it came out. Uh, later on that Meltan would could also evolve into a, another evolution called Melmetal. And players will require 400 candy in order to evolve um, Meltan into Melmetal. So, and he's, he's a beast. He looks... He's huge. Yeah, he, <laughs> it, it's pretty amazing, the size of that Pokemon. But it was a really big thing, too, because this is the very first mythical Pokemon that actually gets to evolve because previous mythical Pokemon just had one form. And so that was a really big surprise for a lot of fans. I, I like that he's eight feet tall and thousands <laughs> of pounds and just like such a presence. Yeah, like even the little vid- the videos that were um, the discussions between Professor Willow and Professor Oak mm-hmm. to explain the, the whole mechanics, but also... Um, the little live action video that they showed of all the little Meltans moving around. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're just, it, it brings further to life of how Pokemon aren't just these creatures, but they're characters that you build this relationship with and they they interact with you in, in a whole different way. So it's just really fun. Yeah, I thought it was a nice surprise because obviously I'm looking forward to um, revisiting these original uh, Pokemon and, and in a way for me going back to that very first adventure and experiencing it in a new way I, I feel like I'm getting a second chance to jump on board from the beginning in a way um, but at the same time you introduce uh, Meltan and, and you've got a little something brand new there as well so it's not all about nostalgia there are things in this game that um, you know no Pokemon fan has experienced before yeah exactly and that, this is why it's it, these games are, are so much fun they're really a love letter to the Pokemon franchise that essentially brings in together elements from that core players might have experienced in past games, but will be a completely new experience for new players. Mm-hmm. And then you also have these elements or influences from Pokemon Go that have been introduced so then you can experience the adventure in a whole new way. All right, so the next one on the list here, number four, Master Trainers. This I'm particularly excited about this. Um, you know, what can you tell us about Master Trainers? Yeah, so Master Trainers are a post-game um, element where players will be able to challenge certain Pokemon trainers in Kanto for an additional challenge. And what what this brings is that players will need to essentially level up and and make stronger all of their 151 Pokemon in order to challenge and ultimately come out to be the best trainer out of that match. And it's it's challenging because um, you, nev- you don't really know what moves the challenger has to potentially one-up you, but also there's no items. So mm. it, it doubly increases that challenge. Zach, are you, um, you going to try to take on all 151 Master <laughs> Trainers? Yeah, coming from the YouTube world, this is, I think, one of the coolest announcements because there's so many different challenges and different sort of tests that you can create for yourself of like, okay, who's going to be the first to get through all 150 of them? Who, How fast can you do that? You know, And then specifically targeting, okay, I'm a huge Charizard fan, so got to go get that badge or you know, I got to go get that title. Um, I think that's going to be something that, really appeals to the hardcore and really gives it longevity on YouTube and, and different places like that. 
Yeah, and I, I, I definitely see the value of it because it adds that further element of replayability to the game. Mm-hmm. And, and for from a core fan perspective, that, that sounds very appealing. Yeah. Now, Teresa, there, for, for number five, our last entry in our list here, there's just a, a lot of fan-favorite features returning from past core Pokemon RPGs. <clears throat> and I'd just like to run through some of these and, and just have you kind of touch on them. The first one we've got here is, is, is riding Pokemon which I believe, you know, you, you look at Pokemon Sun and Pokemon Moon introduced Poker Ride. How has that evolved uh, into riding Pokemon in this in these games? Yeah, so um, there are certain large-scale Pokemon that players will be able to ride and explore Kanto. So um, I know, and again, Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow version, the way that you would do that was to ride a bike. Um, and... The opportunity to fly, to move around with Pokemon wasn't quite available, um, but yeah, in this version, we I know that it's already been announced with Onyx. Uh, we shown uh, Charizard, um, and also I think what was shown was Dragonite, uh, to name a few of how you can fly around with Pokemon as well, or ride in the ocean with Lapras. So it's a really, really fun feature to just explore the environment with this other Pokemon while your partner Pokemon is either on your shoulder or your head. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool just that interactivity with your Pokemon trainer. Yeah, the riding aspect is super cool. I do want to give a special shout out to Pikachu's balloon car because I think that's <laughs> a very understated element of these games that's going to be really awesome. Yeah, and it's fun just to get to uh, interact with your Pokemon in ways beyond just the battles. You know, I think any, t- any chance you get to feel more like you're bonding with your team, that seems very much in the spirit of the series. Yeah. And then um, similar to how Pokemon X and Pokemon Y introduced uh, Pokemon Ami, if I'm even pronouncing that right, you'll be able to play with your partner Pokemon. That's right. So um, there's uh, an option where players can interact with their Pokemon a partner Pokemon, and that is a way for you to build the bond within your your part with between you and your partner. And it's incredibly advantageous because it might bring perks when you're exploring through the game. Um, but it also it really just furthers that connection that you have with this with this Pokemon because you are essentially starting your adventure from became from the beginnings of being a Pokemon trainer, really, and then to becoming the best, and they're with you at every step of the way. Um, so you'll be able to pet them, you'll be able to um, feed them, and they'll potentially like give you high fives or, <laughs> or little gifts. Um, and they'll even call you to your attention during the adventure as well when they want you, they want to interact with you or you know tell you there's something nearby. Um, so yeah, it's it's a really really fun feature. Um, I think it was in Treehouse Live, yeah, um, that the segment that I just did, where after battling with Team Rocket, um, Pikachu was kind of like calling my attention, and there was an icon at the bottom left of the screen, and as I shook my controller, um, then the uh, Pikachu would show up, and he looked like, completely exasperated after the whole ordeal with Team Rocket. And so those little elements just bring to life of this adventure that we're sharing together, and they're fun moments. Yeah, it just helps to place you within that world. And like we talked about, how visually it's so stunning. And then with the the Pokeball Plus, and just all of these elements, like you get to feel like a trainer more and better than ever before. Yeah, and it's also this uh, sort of. Uh, reference and nod to also the cartoon series of how Ash had a partner with Pikachu and how they were always traveling together. So right. again, it's that nod as well within the games of how you have this partner with you at all times too. Mm-hmm. And um, speaking specifically about the trainers, um, just like we saw introduced in Pokemon X and Pokemon Y, uh, these um, trainer customization features, how can you customize your trainer in this game? Um, I believe it was in Pokemon... Um, X and Y, correct? That mm-hmm. uh, customization was first introduced to the uh, the Pokemon trainer, the player's own trainer. Um, and now in this game, not only do you get to customize your Pokemon trainer, but also your partner. So you can mix and match outfits, but you could also further customize your partner Pokemon with accessories. So I'm particularly... Um, a fan of having little bow ties and glasses um, <laughs> on my partner Pokemon. 
And uh, yeah, they're, it's really adorable. It's just another little connection of personalizing my adventure the way that I want to play. I really like the hairstyles. That's uh, what I'm all about. That's right. the, the Pikachu hairstyles, the Eevee hairstyles, those are really, yeah. really fun. Yes, the, those are a pleasant surprise too. And it's, it's again, another layer of just personalizing your adventure. So what's your favorite hairstyle that oh, you've seen geez. so far? Um, I really like, uh, well, I like the hats. So I guess my hairstyle would be a little bit hidden. Um, I really like the Explorer hat and then the, there's like those like spirally, like googly eyeglasses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the thick glasses. Yeah, those yeah. ones are really fun. <laughs> It'd be great to see your partner Pokemon decked out like that, you know, during different, you know, dramatic parts of the game. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, There, there's opportunity to make your Pokemon extremely cute. Um, where you put flowers, but also incredibly sciencey yeah. and nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, one of the, the the biggest points that I think everyone's aware of with this game is the Pokeball Plus accessory, and you know that really takes me back to um, the Poke Walker, which I think was introduced in uh, Pokemon Heart Gold and Pokemon Soul Silver. Um, but there's a lot of new stuff you can do with this. And I think for the first time, fans are going to feel like they're really there holding a Pokeball, kind of using it in just the way they've always seen it used in the games and in the anime. Um, you know, uh, what's, what's, what are you most looking forward to, uh, you know, in how you use this new accessory? Oh, gosh. This accessory has so much functionality. I just I can't really choose a favorite because they're all really great. Um, it's a controller um, that lights up and plays sound so it makes that the entire adventure a lot more immersive um, I'm able to take a Pokemon out with me into the real world and that's an, another way for me to level up that Pokemon um, because you'll still be able to interact with that Pokemon and catching and battling other trainers um, and leveling Pokemon up that way but this is a third alternative option for you to level up that Pokemon and additionally gain rewards through your walking activity to use in your adventure. I, I find that extremely helpful. And then there's an, a, an added layer that you can also interact with that Pokemon out in the real world and hear, hear their cry and like see that they're incredibly happy. Um, and then the other functionality with the Pokeball Plus is that it has Pokemon Go Plus features. Um, for people that don't know what Pokemon Go Plus is, it was this uh, little device that players would be able to connect with Pokemon Go in order to uh, make catching Pokemon easier and to spin Pokestops. So that has been improved upon in po Pokeball Plus. And um, so you'll be able to take a Pokemon for a stroll from the Pokemon Let's Go games but also play Pokemon Go while not looking at the smartphone screen. So it's a very versatile accessory. I just absolutely love how much functionality is in it. Yeah, it's cool that it can go portably with you and it can be the controller at home. I had a chance to play with it at E3 and I was impressed with how well it controls like the whole game, you know, just with that the little Pokeball. Um, and just again, adds to that whole like, okay, I, I get to play it at home and then take it with you, like you said. And if you're a big Pokemon Go player, then it adds those elements. So it's, it's super cool that they made a specific controller just for this. Yeah, and it's a, an item that's in the game, like a Pokeball, an actual Pokeball that's in your hands. Like, it's it's sort of like a dream for Pokemon players and in, in the entire way that the franchise has been out, where if you really wanted to be one, the, the heart and soul of a Pokemon trainer is the Pokeball. Right. And now that you actually have one that feels pretty good and it's interactive, it's... It's got a good weight. It's made really well. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Did you get a chance to hold one? Yeah, I, yeah, that's how I demoed the game at E3, oh, and it was sweet. it was super cool. I was really surprised by how much functionality it has because you know you think of it, it's a, it's a controller you can literally play the whole game one handed, but um, you've got kind of like a you may not be able to see this when you first look at it, but there's a, like a button where your uh, kind of trigger finger naturally rests, um, and of course you've got the control stick under your thumb, which I think you can click in as well. Is that right? Yeah, so there's two buttons. It's the control stick that's movable and, and clickable, and then there's a top button as well. And then, of course, you can you know use motion controls as well, so um, it just makes everything so effortless to be able to, in, with the, those simple buttons and commands, to be able to pretty much do anything you'd want to in the game. Yeah, essentially every everything that a Pokemon trainer needs is in their hand. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then uh, the other thing that I didn't get to mention, too, is that with every Pokeball Plus, the mythical Pokemon Mew is inside. So oh, that's right. 
for players that want to complete their 151 Pokedex, like the Pokeball Plus is the way for you to get that mythical Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Pokemon Heart Gold and, and Pokemon Soul Silver, uh, I think, marked the first time that Pokemon could, you know, come out of the Pokeball and, and follow you around, follow the trainer around. And we talked about this a couple of times already, but that's obviously a huge part of, of the Let's Go games. Yeah, well, technically, Pokemon Yellow version <laughs> was the first time that Pikachu was able to That's follow right. you. But it was in Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver where any Pokemon could you can choose to have follow you. So that was um, that was really fun, and now you get to pretty much see that again here, where any Pokemon can you choose or you've caught can follow you. And again, it kind of goes back to where. Because um, in this game, the Pokemon are so true to size, you'll be able to see the variations of their their sizes. Like, mm. like if it's a Mel- Meltan, Meltan has such small legs. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's like constantly struggling to catch up with you. Um, but say that it's um, a Voltorb, they might just be rolling after you. <laughs> so it's uh it's really really cool to see those animations of the Pokemon following you in such really beautiful gorgeous quality graphics. Yeah, and then you pair it with a if you're playing co-op and you get, you know, multiple of them running around and what kind of weird combos if I have a really tiny Pokemon, you've got a really giant Pokemon, it it starts to look really fun. That's right. Um I think it was a TV commercial where they showed um an Alolan executor kind of mm-hmm. following you and he's so tall that you can't even see the top of his head. <laughs> so it's just it's this really <laughs> lanky Pokemon just following you and it's really really cool to see that variation. Yeah, for sure. All right, so on the final um item I have here as, as, a, as a fan favorite feature that's returning from a, from a core uh, Pokemon RPG is Mega Evolution, you know, originally introduced in Pokemon Omega Ruby and Pokemon Alpha Sapphire. Um, how, does, how do Mega Evolutions work in the Let's Go games? Yeah, so Mega Evolutions is new to Kanto, um, and it, you need two items in order to uh, have it activated for certain Pokemon. So you need a Keystone and a Megastone that pertains to that Pokemon. Um, but yeah, there are, there are additional items that the core fan will want to get and try to hunt them down in order to activate that special ability. So it's really, really cool to see the animations um, during battle. Yeah, and it's just another like cool core feature of bringing something new to that original space. So obviously, as you mentioned, like you didn't have that in Pokemon Yellow or in Kanto, and now being able to see how that affects battles or affects your strategy is really cool. Yeah. I just can't wait to play this game, and I'm hoping I can pull some strings here and maybe play it a little early. I don't know. We'll see. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good luck with that. Chris. I just want those. I just want those Joy-Con. I'm a huge Joy-Con collector, so the the Pikachu and Eevee Joy-Con, like that's what I'm really waiting for. Oh, that's awesome! You're gonna get the hardware. Oh yeah, yep. Very cool. <laughs> We're gonna move on now to pros picks. Um, we have this every episode. This is where we talk about games that we've been playing and enjoying lately. Um, Zach, you want to start us off? What have you been playing lately? Sure. Um, I had a really long flight out here, uh, <laughs> and so it was a great chance to get some more time with Mega Man 11. Um, ah. Very challenging game, very awesome to play portably. Uh, I played all the original Mega Man games, so I, for better or worse, try to beat these levels without the double gear system, which is sort of like mm. the new element to Mega Man 11. That's tough. It's not a good decision. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've started to be like, okay, I can use it sometimes when I really need to for the boss battles. But um, I love being able to play Mega Man portably. I have the the X collections uh, and the original collections. Um, but this one being brand new, I think they did such a great job with it. And I'm a big fan of challenging games. Um, I love like Enter the Gungeon and Celeste and, and now Mega Man 11 just really pushing me. Um, and, and I got through a boss on the flight. So I felt like that was a, a pretty, pretty productive time. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing that one... Uh... Not nearly as much as actually I, I, I wish I had. I haven't had, I've been juggling a lot of games lately, but that's when I'm, I'm enjoying and I'm just, I guess I'm kind of savoring it, taking my time, maybe halfway through the, uh, the robot bosses. But as someone who um, is old enough to have played the original Mega Man games when they were brand new, uh, I was just <laughs> thrilled to see this guy come back. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. Um, and yeah, make sure you use those those double gear systems. It's it's too much without them. <laughs> yeah, pro tip: don't fight the system. Just take yeah. advantage of it. <laughs> Teresa, how about you? What have you been playing lately? Oh gosh, I've kind of been hopping between uh, Picross S two because uh, I 
a new season came out and that was a lot of fun to to play because they had an additional mode called clip picross where mm-hmm. once you've completed an entire page it would open up little panels that you can then complete um so it further expanded on the whole replayability of these games um and then I'm also playing this really cute game that came from the Harvest Moon team called Little Dragons Cafe. Um, All right. Yeah, it's really adorable. It's uh, It has one of my favorite or pa- hobbies that I'm passionate about, which is cooking. And it also features a little bit of a genre that I like as well, which is rhythm. Mm. And so while you're cooking a recipe, you have to time accurately these button presses in order to get a better recipe to serve your clients um but then while you're not attending to the cafe you're hunting around the environment for all these ingredients in order to unlock new recipes and find new recipe um parts to get the full recipe so you can make that dish so yeah it's it's really a lot of fun i like that game yeah, yeah. You mentioning cooking, like I have to quickly point out Overcooked too, because that's something that oh, I yes. play all the time. Um, it's just so much fun. It's like the best competitive co-op game because you're obviously working together to make these dishes. But I get pretty bossy in the kitchen, so like, <laughs> you, got, you got to put that on, get, bring it back, chop those, go, 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 go. And it's I think those two games, Overcooked one and two, are some of the most fun multiplayer experiences on Switch. Yeah, for sure. I absolutely love those games, and I've had a blast trying to convince people to play them with me because I also get equally (laughs) bossy. But I've also enjoyed seeing people play them on YouTube. Like I've seen Mm -hmm. um, people compile their own videos of their gameplay experiences, and I've seen how um, friends can just get incredibly aggravated with each other, which is so much fun to watch. The new DLC is really cool. It's one of those games I'm definitely going to have people play when we get together for family um, parties over the holidays. You know, I'm going to pull out Super Mario Party and Overcooked 2. And, you know, for the for the non-gamers in my family, I think those will be great ways to get them into it. Uh, I'm excited about Super Smash Brothers Ultimate as well. That's got a lot of characters that I just have an affinity to. And I got incredibly excited with the King K. Rool announcement. So right. because I'm a... My favorite, favorite character. That was my... <laughs> the one I had to have in there as I was so pumped to see it. I'm a diehard Donkey Kong Country fan, so I was just completely stoked that they also revamped the song and it has mm-hmm. lyrics now, mm-hmm. so, so I'm just good. like trying to memorize <laughs> it so I can sing it at work. <laughs> it's uh and I've said on the show before that I I am a huge fan of the Castlevania series, so I'm I am super excited that uh Simon Belmont and uh, Richter Belmont are going to be in the game. But I I was surprised after I saw the reveal trailer for um, Incineroar, how much I'm excited. You know, as a kid, I loved pro wrestling. uh, So just seeing him do all those those kind of um, backdrops and off the ropes moves, looks like he's going to be a lot of fun too. Oh my gosh, yeah. He looks pretty challenging for to control as a character. Like you need a really skilled um, player to control him because he's just very... um, Agile. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really excited for World of Light too, the new adventure mode. Um, and there actually is a moment in the trailer where they show riding a Lapras, which I thought was interesting, tying <laughs> into like, you know, riding nice. Pokemon in, in Let's Go. All right, well, well as far as uh, what I've been playing lately, um, unfortunately not Super Smash Brothers Ultimate or the Pokemon Let's Go games, but <laughs> maybe next <laughs> episode. Yet, anyway. Yeah, next episode. Um, but uh, I've been playing a lot of um, this game called Chasm. I don't know if either of you have heard of this game yet. Mm-hmm. It's um, You can get it from Nintendo eShop. And um, it's a retro-style game. It's one of those pixel art games. Um, I guess I would equate it more to like a 16-bit style of graphics, but probably a little bit better than that. Um, it's kind of a mix of like classic Metroid and also kind of like the Castlevania games that had more of an exploration element to them. Or even something like Dead Cells or SteamWorld Dig 2. Um, because it does have this massive kind of underground maze that you explore. But what's interesting is it's it's a, a little bit randomized, and that is, as, if I understand it correctly, certain rooms are kind of um, pre-designed, but the, the way that they're connected is kind of randomized. So the, 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 you're, the path you're going to take through the game is, is unique. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, it has some fantasy elements, like uh, the ability to level up, stats, you know, find gear. And you're constantly um, exploring and, and finding new areas underground. And, and rescuing villagers that have been taken so that when you go back up to the surface to the to the village um, it then unlocks new shops or, or the ability to buy new magical items and things like that so it has a lot of stuff that you're constantly kind of a lot of ways to constantly progress um, so it's one of those games that's just kind of hard to put down because you're always kind of ticking off things on your to-do list 
and, and getting a sense of uh, satisfaction as you complete more and more of the map. I, I love those kinds of games in general, and, and this is a really fun one. That's awesome because, uh, yeah, there are a lo- um, quite a few challenging games that are kind of Metroidvania-like. Um, um, not to like go into f- a lot of detail because there's just so many of those games, and mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge fan of those as well myself because I played Guacamelee, um, which was a lot of fun. Uh, Hollow Knight was, is completely challenging, and I still have yet to beat it, and I've been getting um, friends on my case to try to beat it because it's just it's a gorgeous game it's just it's very hard and I've had my blood pressure go up real high (laughs) trying to even pass the first boss and it's yeah it's hard but it's such a gorgeous game yeah and I I enjoy that type of games I've played all those that you mentioned and another one that I'll I'll give another shout out to just because I think it's not nearly enough people are turned on to it is iconoclasts very great to me it felt almost like a sega genesis era um you know metroid type exploration game but but uh you know i use metroid type very loosely here just in that there's a big maze to explore there's a lot of new stuff in all these games that make them really distinct and different oh, those are interesting i'll take a look at them yeah i also want to um totally support uh, P- P- uh what did you say Cross s2 yeah. Um, I've spent a ridiculous amount of time on that game and the original one as well. You just get in that mode where I have like the news on or a, or a TV show or something, and I'm just kind of doing that at the same time. And it just, you, you just get into this flow where at the end you just feel like you've uh, been meditating or something. It's true. It's, it's definitely the game that I go to to decompress. And um, it is also a game that I can multitask, and I feel incredibly accomplished when I solve a puzzle because I feel like. I'm smart <laughs> and I'm able to complete it. But yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I absolutely love that game. Yeah, I was really into uh, the Pokemon Picross game. Um, oh, I yeah. remember playing that on a bunch of flights as well. And it is just sort of like that chill out and just time passes so fast oh, when yeah. you're going through the, the grids. I 100% completed that game. I, I absolutely loved every moment of it. That was a fun Nintendo 3DS game. Yeah. All right, well, now we're going to move on to the Warp Zone quiz. Um, this is where we guess games that came out 10, 20, or 30 years ago on Nintendo platforms. Um, and we're a little bit behind in recording this episode. Um, we haven't um, done the quiz for games that had come out during the month of October yet. So we're going to stick with October games this time. Um, are you guys ready for the clues? Oh, man. This is going to be a challenging <laughs> a challenge for me. So I don't know if I'm going to make it. but I'm, I'm ready in. for them. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. All right you guys will do well. I have a good me. feeling. <laughs> All right, so 10 years ago, this is October 2008, uh, Nintendo published a unique game for Wii in which you used various kinds of motion controls to band together with friends and enjoy songs like Ode to Joy, Jingle Bell Rock, Swan Link, or, or uh, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Any guesses? Wii Music? That's it, Wii Music. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. All right, looking good so far. 20 years ago, October 1998. The clues are Nintendo published a racing game for Nintendo 64 that included a death race mode in which you tried to run 29 other racers off the road. And the long list of racers included cartoonish characters like Pico, Octoman, and Mighty Gazelle. Any guesses? Oh, boy. Give you another little hint here. The uh, racers also included someone named Captain Falcon. Oh, my God. Is this Excitebike? (laughs) Nope. It's oh. an it's an F zero. I don't remember the 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 what what specific F zero, but it's definitely F zero. That's well, that's it. F zero X. You're yeah, one letter away go. there. Good half point for that one. <laughs> Still looking good. All right, the last one. Thirty years ago. This is October of 1988. Um, the clues are: Nintendo published a platformer for the NES that was originally called Yume Kojo Doki Doki Panic in Japan, that was set in the world of Subcon, where vegetables were the key to victory. Um, any guesses? Super Mario Brothers 2. That's it. That's exactly right. I got one. <laughs> I, I, I love this game. I loved. Uh, I love Mauser and Wart, both of them. I think they're, they're such cool bosses. Yeah, they are. I was super impressed about the history of Super Mario Brothers 2. I, I love delving into the background stories of how those games come up. That's one of the most interesting ones. It originally, in the original Japanese version, had nothing to do with Mario. Had four completely different playable characters. But yet it also still did introduce uh, mainstay Mario characters like Birdo, the Shy Guys. Um, so it had a real lasting impact. That's right. Gosh, Birdo's such a cool character. <laughs> I wish it'd have its own game. 
All right, so now we're going to move on to Player's Pulse. Um, now, what we've been doing recently on the show is we've been sending out tweets um, uh, on specific topics and asking um, uh, listeners to comment on those topics. But this time we wanted to catch up on some of the mail we've been getting in uh, on the Nintendo Power podcast email account. Um, so we're going to start with Justin B., who says, I recently found my volume 32 of Nintendo Power Magazine, where I was lucky enough to make it into Power Players for completing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Follow the Foot Clan for Game Boy. It made me remember how great it was to bring it to school and feel like I was king of the playground for a day. Do you all have moments you're most fond of in beating a specific game, whether it's with family, friends, or tied to a special moment in your life? Zach, how about we start with you? Any, any great nostalgic moments there? Yeah, I've got two good ones. Um, I started playing games very young. My uncle introduced me to the NES when I was four, um, and we started off with like Mario Bros. and and some some of the the main titles. But I actually beat The Little Mermaid on NES. That was the first uh, game I ever completed by myself. Wow! And I was so proud. I was at my grandparents' house, and I'm sure if I went back now, it's probably a pretty easy title. But getting through it at four, like I felt on top of the world. I didn't get a Nintendo Power, but it it sure felt like it. That's so cool. Yeah, those Capcom made some really great licensed games back then. They did. And then the other one is, again, Capcom. Um, me and my best friend, my childhood best friend, we would see how fast we could get through Mega Man X and just mastering the bosses um, and getting, like, a perfect run and completing it uh, within however many minutes. Like, that was just so much fun, and we felt so accomplished of, you know, getting through and, and knowing all the patterns and memorizing the levels. That's great. That's so cool. Teresa, how about you? Oh, gosh. So I don't have a cool story of having my name on a printed material because that sounds so (laughs) epic. Um, But I do have the story of where um, my brother and I, our family, we went to to Florida for Disney World when I was 10. And he took me to this two-level giant warehouse arcade place. Like it had a ton of arcade machines. We stopped in front of one, which was Gauntlet. Mm. And so my brother and I sat there for hours on end trying to beat it. I'm pretty sure we went through at least $50 worth in quarters. Wow. Um, but we, the only reason we stopped was because, well, one, we went through, went through the entire cup of quarters, but also our parents were getting hungry and they just wanted to go back to the hotel. So I was completely devastated that I never got to finish it. Oh, but then... Uh, during the Nintendo 64 era, Gauntlet Legends came out, and I was so excited when I heard that it was out. I dragged my dad to the nearest game store to go buy a copy, and when I got home, I shoved it in my brother's face. I'm like, we ought to play this, and we ought to beat it. <laughs> so we we went through it again, and um, we managed to beat it, and we also uh, unlocked our alternate skin. So he was the warrior and got the Minotaur. I was the archer and got the uh, Tigress. I was super excited. Um, but that game was just kind of that moment where my brother and I bonded over video games, something that we shared alike. And that, to me, was just a memory that I've carried over. That's great. For me, um, I-, I would guess my my biggest feeling of accomplishment from playing games was probably uh, these games that have these special challenge dungeons, like in Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door, or... The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, where they're usually pretty optional, but you just kind of go down and there'll be like maybe 50 floors, 100 floors of just harder and harder enemy fights. And the deeper you go, the greater chance you'll have to go all the way back to the beginning. And uh, in both of those games, I managed to get through them. And uh, and especially in Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, by the time you're fighting the boss at the very bottom, which is like a big, I forget his exact name, but a big skeletal um, creature, uh, they basically tell you, um, uh, like, if you use uh, the ability to get information on that on that boss, they basically tell you, look, this is harder than the actual last boss in the whole game. So, and I managed to, um, I was almost dead, but got lucky, and like he missed like three turns in a row, and I managed to to, to pull it out and win the fight. And uh, I just remember um, jumping around like a crazy person. I just couldn't <laughs> believe I'd, I'd survived it. Those are awesome game moments, though. It's like yeah. it, it kind of beats you to the ground. But then once you are able to accomplish it, you just pat yourself on the back because, well, one, you spend so much time investment on in trying to master it. And then once you accomplish it, you just feel really good. Yeah, for sure. That, that was my whole experience with the Dark Souls franchise, which I've been replaying on Switch now, the remastered edition, mm-hmm. um, but of just taking 
beat down after beat down, but then that like final victory, I have moments that like are in videos and stuff that I made of just losing my mind and excitement, <laughs> which is just so much fun to go back and relive. Yeah I, yeah, I have the same now too. Anytime when you can, you feel like there's other people that may not have made it past this point, but I did. You got to feel good about that. Oh yeah. Well, especially with the Nintendo Switch, since you could record the last 30 seconds, I'll oh, just yeah. try to capture that <laughs> snippet so then I can go off and show it to my friends and coworkers. Like, look what I did. I've probably filled up half of the SD card in my Nintendo Switch with just videos from Celeste of like, I finally <laughs> got past this area and I want proof. I'm uh, not going to lie, but I, I, I turn on, I think it was uh, the assist mode in order to try to oh, get yeah. as many jumps as I could because the game is gorgeous. It's just, and I love platforming. But it is a very challenging game. Yeah, it's pretty merciless. All right, well, let's move on to the next uh, email from James D. He says, I adore the Mario franchise, and my favorite games have always been the Mario RPGs, especially the first three Paper Mario games and the Mario and Luigi series. My favorite character is Fawful, who I wish was playable in one of the party spinoffs. I'm looking forward to the remake of Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story in 2019. The long wait on that is tearing me apart. Do you have any opinions on these games and their characters? Are either of you big um, um, players of the Mario and Luigi series or Paper Mario? I really like them. I'll give a special shout out to Mallow and Gino from way back in Super Mario right. RPG. That's where that's where it started for me. Um, but I love the humor that they bring in, um, and I think they're super fun. Uh, Bowser's Inside Story is is one that I played a ton of, um, and that's probably my favorite in the franchise. Um, but since I am at Nintendo, I do want to make a quick pitch for a Wario and Waluigi RPG. I think that's, <laughs> that would be so much fun and like make that happen, please. Yeah, those guys are always fun together. Yeah, they are. They're pretty devious. <laughs> my, um, my favorite probably in the Mario and Luigi series is Bowser's Inside Story. I'm speaking of that one. Um, and I'm also really looking forward to uh, the new version for Nintendo 3DS, which I think is, comes out on January 11th. Um, there's kind of a sad story for me on that game is that that's one that um, when I was still working at Nintendo Power Magazine, I was playing it for review and I got all the way to the final boss and um, never beat the final boss. Like I, my deadline was there. I said, well, okay, I didn't beat the final boss, but I've, I've basically played the whole game, went ahead and, and wrote uh, my copy. But then when the the, uh, the final version of the game came out, the save files were incompatible. So I've, as much oh, no. as I love that game, I never actually beat the final boss, and that's going to be my mission uh, when the new version comes out. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you enjoy the, the game a second time around. Yeah, and you know, it's been so long, I probably won't remember it that well, so it'll feel like a totally new game to me anyway. No, for sure. But uh, my favorite character in the Mario Luigi series is, I agree with the, the letter writer here with James, it's definitely Fawful. Um, you know, I love his I have fury, you know, uh, line or when he calls people fink rats. He even said a winner is you once, which I appreciated as a reference to pro wrestling on the NES, which is one of my favorite <laughs> NES games. So, uh, yeah, those games are just great. So I take it you're a pro wrestling fan, Chris. You know what? I used to be uh, not not for quite a while, but as a kid and, and maybe as a teenager. Uh, yeah, I was heavy into it. <laughs> nice. I love Starman back in the original wrestling on, uh, on NES. Yeah. All Starman. He was great. The Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> all those characters. I really loved and was delighted that that was one of the um, first games that was available for you know the NES collection on Nintendo Switch Online. Um, I hadn't really heard of that franchise since the '80s when the the game first came out. So, anyway, not to digress, I could talk about that game all day. <laughs> um, Pokemon Trainer Aiden asks, "What is your favorite Nintendo Switch system? I'm sorry, what is your favorite Nintendo system?" And why? And I got a little bit ahead of myself there because I think we should not pick Nintendo Switch because I think, you know, there's all of us right now might, you know, this is what we're currently playing. Uh, and I'm sure we're all currently in love with our Nintendo Switches. But to keep things in interesting, beyond that system, looking at all the other past Nintendo consoles and handhelds, which is your favorite? Teresa, you want to start? Ooh, Can you pick? I, that will always be Super Nintendo for mm. me. Um because that was the very first console that I ever got. And that is also the home to my favorite franchise of all time, Donkey Kong Country. And I have so many memories attached to that system and to the games that I played. Um, I still have a library of them within, uh, it's it's in, hidden in my closet. So to be preserved forever and the system still runs to this day and I'm incredibly impressed. 
and it's it's still dated too because you could see the yellow <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> underneath it um but it's it's just a console filled with so many childhood memories full of laughter and love and i yeah i absolutely love it and i got incredibly excited too when the super nes classic was announced and uh I I bought that day one, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love it, especially because it has Super, uh, Star Fox 2, which never was released, and so I got the opportunity to play that too. So yeah, I definitely Super NES for me. Okay. Yeah, it's a close call. Super Nintendo is amazing. I love Yoshi's Island. I love Donkey Kong Country, Super Mario World. Um, Uniracers is one of my favorite multiplayer games. Uh, I'm going to go with the GameCube. That was the first console that I ever camped out for. Um, wow. I actually got to go to the Cube Club, which I, I never really hear talked about, but it was a special event that Nintendo brought around the country uh, to demo Monkey Ball and Luigi's Mansion and Smash Brothers Melee before the GameCube came out. And my dad took me, um, and we actually won a Nintendo GameCube uh like a polo, like a zip up. And I was probably 10, 11 at the time. And the shirt was huge, but I wore it to school all the time because I felt so cool. Like, oh, I went to this cube club and I'm so excited for the GameCube and had this like oversized giant Nintendo GameCube zip up on. That's awesome. Do you still have that? Yeah, I do. Oh, nice. Yeah. Can you still Very fit into cool. it since it was big to begin with? <laughs> I, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a better fit now. <laughs> How come you didn't bring it today? I should have, huh? Yeah. That's great. Uh, you know, I could probably make an argument for almost any Nintendo system being my favorite, but I think if I could only pick one, I would have to agree with with, uh, with Super NES. Um, just because, you know, The Legend of Zelda, Super Mario Brothers, and Metroid are my three favorite franchises. And when you think that one system had The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, and it had Super Mario World and Super Metroid, all three of which are arguably the best in the series, or, or at least right there, you know, um, it's it's just amazing, and um, just thinking of all the the new franchises and, and innovations that that system brought in, you know, the shoulder buttons on the controller, um, yeah, that was a pretty magical time. Was the the Super NES era for me? Sure. So many of those games still hold up so well. Like obviously we we see in the the Super Nintendo Classic, but just in general, going back and playing that platform specifically, like I still have tons of fun. The controller feels so good. I love the the purple and gray look yeah. of the system. And yeah. Just, yeah, it's, it's still a ton of fun. And that was still the area, too, where Capcom was still making games for Disney uh, mm-hmm. titles. Lion and so, King, yeah. Aladdin, yeah. I played a ton of those, and they were just, they were great games. Yeah. And I, yeah, I and miss if, that area. And if you liked RPGs, there's no better system for great classic RPGs than Super NES. Yeah, there was Super Mario RPG, there was Final Fantasy, and Secret of Mana, and Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger. It's just, yeah. yeah, there were a ton of games on that platform Mm -hmm. all right so we have one more um email here from raimundo he asks which nintendo video game narratives have captivated and engaged you the most and what about the experience made the story so captivating can you think of uh one game in particular that had such a story that you were either totally engrossed in or maybe it moved you or or just left some kind of lasting impact sure i uh, legend of zelda has a a great so much good lore, but I'm going to go with something more recent. Uh, we mentioned it already, Celeste. I really mm. love that that game touched on anxiety um, and different emotions and feelings, and I thought they did a nice job of taking a you know, a 2D platformer game that typically you wouldn't expect much narrative from, but putting something in that was memorable um, and did kind of you know, touch on some really important topics, and I think handled it really well and in a fun way, and Madeline battling like a really good character uh, you know, combo, and I, I really enjoyed that. I agree with you. That was actually the the number one one I had on my list as well. Oh, really? <laughs> and I and you know, Teresa, you talked about how punishingly hard that game can be, but I got so pulled into the story, and and so you know, early on in the game, when I started to kind of realize what was happening and this type of story they were trying to tell and how they were going about it, and I thought it was so intelligent and and so trusting of the player to to understand what they were communicating, and and uh, it was such a more uh, you know, it's such a different type of, of story um, that I, I really, even when the game got super tough, that's what kept me pushing past that was because I had to know what was going to happen next. Yeah, I I still completely agree. Like I, I would, Celeste was a really great narrative experience for me because of those themes. Mm-hmm. Like there are definitely themes that kind of don't really come out presently. And I, I don't recall another game also touching that in that sort of form. And so I 
definitely want to give out a shout out to the the team that worked on that game because it's it's gorgeous but also the music was just it engrossed you into what was happening and it further elevated the experience of what you were going through with Madeline so yeah it's mm-hmm. just it's such a great game I would also say that I really uh, appreciated the story in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. And I think that's a very opposite kind of, or rather I appreciated in an opposite way that I did Celeste. Celeste was very much internal, very character driven. And Breath of the Wild was more about this epic kind of, you know, fantasy tale that impacted the whole world. And and um, also just the, the little narrative moments that popped up because of the gameplay that weren't necessarily scripted. I thought um, it was a game that really had a lasting impact on me from the from a narrative point of view. Yeah, the the Legend of Zelda franchise has been one that tells stories really intimately, and I I think they've done that even since back in the day. Because um, I I specifically remember going through Ocarina of Time and, <laughs> funnily enough, using a Nintendo Power Guide to try <laughs> to get through some difficult moments, including the Water Temple, which was incredibly difficult. Um, and then when Majora's Mask came out, that was incredibly dark, but being able to assist every single character in their trials and seeing them, you know, they're suffering, but trying to help them out to make things better as you're also fighting the crunch of time, um, that was just incredibly, um, immersive, not to mention spooky because I have a fear of death. And so that, Mm. that game terrified me, (laughs) um, and then when Breath of the Wild came out, it was, again, that whole, like, reliving a story from another another telling and being immersed in the lives of these characters, trying to discover and uncover their background, why they got to that position or that place, and um, being able to help out the people that remained. It was just being sucked into the world just... It's just, it's very enlightening for me. Like, th- those are the kind of games that I really, really appreciate. And that's where I would, I am willing to put in 200 plus hours into it, just trying to get, cover everything and make sure I have all the grounds covered. So yeah, it's, those are really great games. Yeah, there there are certain games like that, where even when you've done everything there is to do, you're just really sad to leave that world because yeah. it, it, you just, uh, there's so much there that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I I know we we're kind of going through recent games, but I kind of want to go back to the uh, for a flash to the past with um one of my favorite narrative experiences funny enough was The Legend of Mystical Ninja. Oh. I haven't seen a game from that franchise in a really really long time. Um one of the things that captivated about me was the Japanese culture within that those games and um I remember picking up picking up the Super Nintendo cartridge. Um in a small store in New York City when games used to be, which used to cost like $20, <laughs> it's funny <laughs> enough. And um, they were incredibly hard, but they also had a two-player co-op. So I would try to get my cousin or my brother to play the, that along with me so I could further find out the story and help the princess. Um, but then two additional games came out for the Nintendo 64 version. And the first game, which was funny enough, called The Legend of Mystical Ninja in the um, U.S. market. It was the first time that a female character was introduced as playable in that franchise, and I was super stoked. I loved going through those experiences of swapping through characters, solving puzzles, going through platforms, but also going through the narrative experience of, you know, we're here to to save the day, and we're going to save Hito Japan, but also turn into this giant robot that's so <laughs> mecha. And so the, those were those are really fun moments too. I, yeah, there's a lot of great narrative experiences on the Nintendo platforms. Yeah, and that was definitely a great series. Um, very unique, that's for sure. All right, well, before we wrap things up, I want to quickly um, turn to Game Forecast and run through a list of uh, some of the key games coming to Nintendo Switch in November. Um, now, um, we've already had a few of these released since um, we've, as we're recording this, we've just started the month. But I'm going to um, cover off on them anyway because we've got some really cool stuff here. On November 1st, we have Transistor. On November 2nd, we have Diablo 3 Eternal Collection. Uh, also on November 2nd, um, Taiko no Tatsujin, Drum and Fun. Then on November 5th, Moonlighter. On November 6th, Carnival Games. Also on November 6th, we have World of Final Fantasy Maxima. 
Rogue Legacy, and Grip. And then on November 13th, we have SNK 40th Anniversary Collection. On November 16th, a little game called Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Don't know if you guys heard about that. Yes. And then on the same day, Sid Meier's Civilization VI. And then on November 20th, Warframe. Now, obviously, let's start with Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Um, you know, we have already talked about that game. Obviously, we're all looking forward to it. Is there any last um, comments you just want to say really from a, a personal perspective, things you're looking forward to with this game? I'm just really excited to hear and and see reactions. And I'm I'm hoping that they also share this adventure with new Pokemon f- players and welcome them to the franchise that's that's really what the heart of the pokemon um like fandom is it's just to bring more into into the whole envelope and um group and and challenge each other because we're all pokemon trainers at heart and what we do best is to to kind of encourage each other uh share mechanics which that's the other thing about this community is that um Everybody's incredibly friendly and shares their their strategies and what uh, types triumph others, what's super effective, what isn't, um, best practices. And it's just, it's really heartwarming to see that, that support. And it'd be really exciting to see this franchise grow from years on out and mm-hmm. see that group grow. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited just to soak up the sights. Uh, I love especially the looks of the gyms. The ones that have been shown thus far are so cool, and just the way that they're realized in this graphical style. I'm um, getting to the the later gyms will be really cool, and then also just playing it together. Um, it's just something that hasn't been possible. And from like a YouTube perspective, that'll be so much fun. Like the different antics that we can get into with me and my brother, me and my girlfriend, um, of playing together and and how battles go down or even just running around and exploring and like where are you going what's going like it'll just create a lot of really really silly fun moments yeah for sure Mm -hmm. like uh, i'm yeah i'm really excited to share this with with friends as well and and then tally up of which team is supreme yeah (laughs) evie or pikachu (laughs) well was there anything else from uh the list in november that jumped out to you guys yeah i want to call out a couple um one i've been playing a lot of diablo 3 uh Eternal Collection, um, I think they've done a phenomenal job of converting that to the Switch. I was a little worried just like, how would it control? This is a PC, you know, centric franchise, but it's awesome. It runs really great. There's virtually no load times. They've mapped the buttons super well. So that's really awesome uh, to play and also to see that franchise hit a Nintendo, you know, platform really cool. Um, Rogue Legacy is probably my favorite roguelite ever. And you mentioned, you know, how much fun you're having with, with, uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, Chasm and, and those different games. So if you haven't played that one, you got to get on that. It's so, so good. Oh, good to um, know. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, the progression and just like the overall progress, you you get a different um, descendant every time you go through and they have weird quirks. Some of them might be upside down. Some of them might not be able to swing their sword. All just different. It, it adds extra challenge. It's super fun. Um, and then lastly, Warframe at the end of the month. I think it's so cool that we're getting these online-centric games. We've seen it with Fortnite and Paladins and Arena mm-hmm. Valor, something like that. But it's just, again, like a totally different genre being added to the Switch um, and exposing Nintendo fans to, I think, totally different types of games that we wouldn't, might not have had previously. Um, and Warframe just has such a huge audience already. It'll be really cool to have that on Switch. I would second with Zach on Diablo 3 because it's it's a game that's coming from, hailing from Activision Blizzard and these are the kind of games that we haven't really seen on Nintendo Switch platforms before, and it's a lot of fun. It's that um, really challenging, roguelike element of of the gameplay and how it, it it's pretty demanding from a hardware perspective, but it just it plays really smoothly, and it's, it's just a lot of fun also to share that experience with other players, too, because it's a multiplayer game. So, yeah, I... I would second with that one. Um, and then the other game that's on the list that I'm intrigued on is Taiko no Taitsujin. Um, yeah. Because this is a franchise that hasn't really been predominant in the U.S. Um, side. And it's a pretty interactive, fun game. Um, again, it's it focuses on uh, Taiko, which is like a type of drum in Japan. Um, so there's a little bit of the Japanese culture that I'm quite interested in. But... Also, the it's a rhythm game, 
Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot of fun because um, you don't necessarily need to have the drum accessory to play it. It's just a nice to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a little bit more immersive because you get to play with that intru- instrument. But you can play it with the two Joy-Con that are already on the Nintendo Switch system. And there is DLC attached to it. So if players want to expand their music library, um, that is an option. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, dive in deep on that game. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think uh, for anyone who's not familiar with the series, if, if you are familiar with Donkey Konga on uh, Nintendo GameCube, That's right. it's just going to point that out. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, bring back Donkey Konga. I still have the drums in my closet somewhere. <laughs> Same here. Yeah, I still have those, those uh, bongo drums. Uh, I, I agree with Diablo 3. I've just started playing it. I'm not. Uh, I'm coming into the series new. Like with a lot of things, I'm, I'm experiencing these these popular new franchises for the first time on Nintendo Switch. And and um, one of the things that struck me straight off the bat is just how smooth the game is. And it just feels, um, you know, uh, very polished. And, and I'm starting to see what all the fuss is about. So I'm looking forward uh, to getting more into that. I've also heard good things about Transistor. And and I noticed that um, in the SNK 40th Anniversary Collection is this old NES game called Crystallis, which um, I think it, from a very specific era, a lot of people kind of are aware of that game, mostly mainly through Nintendo Power Magazine. Um, it was one of those games that uh, was a surprise hit, and a lot of people started coming up with strategy guides for it. I think the uh, old um, Nintendo Game Counselors used to get a lot of calls about that, uh, and I think uh, that may have been partly what led to uh, them re-releasing uh, that game uh, or a version of that game on Game Boy Advance, I think. So um, it's, uh, you know, if you're aware of Crystallis, I'm sure you're excited that it's going to be in this collection. If you haven't heard of it before, check it out. It's a cool action RPG um, that's a little leans a little bit more on the action side, um, a little bit like a, a more maybe a traditional Legend of Zelda game, although not quite the same. But looking forward to playing through that one again. It's been a while. I just want to also point out that this is like a really cool month for collectors of limited edition stuff i i mm. get all like the consoles and joy con and uh, the smash bros bundle came out mm-hmm. the diablo bundle we got the pokemon bundle so <laughs> like right. all the cool dock art the cool joy con it's like a really fun month as a like i said like a crazy collector like i'm gonna get all the bundles oh my gosh <laughs> yeah you can tell the holidays are on the way <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure well zach and Teresa, thanks so much for coming on the show it's been a lot of fun yeah thanks chris it's been it a blast fun. thank you great see you next time That's it for this episode of Nintendo Power Podcast. If you have any comments or questions you'd like us to consider answering on the show, you can email us at nintendopowerpodcast at noa.nintendo.com. Also, we always appreciate it if you can leave a review, and be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they're ready. Thanks for listening, and keep playing with power. Power.